When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the show. We are so happy to have you back, friends, as we are continuing with our new format today and discussing the rest of season one of Dark Matter that we watched on Netflix. It was originally created by the Sci-Fi Network. This was a new show for me, but not a new show for Eli. So Eli, take it away. Yes, thank you, Steve. This was a re- Watch for me. I think I've seen this first season maybe three times now. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So it was so Third much fun. Third time's the charm. Third time is Third the times. charm. Third Yeah. <laughs> and Steve, we already talked about the first three episodes and decided to watch the rest of the first season. So 10 episodes later, we are back to chat a little bit and recap just what we thought, felt, what stuck out, stuck with us, and overarching themes, feelings, characters, plots, uh, questions. Steve, we're here to wrap up season one of the sci-fi space opera, Dark Matter, And I want to start off this discussion by just asking you straight up, are you excited that you've just finished this first season? Were you glad you watched it? Woo, lot to to unpack here. I I think I am glad that I watched it. it. It definitely kept me guessing the whole way, and they certainly did a, a good job of allowing you to think that everyone had a reason to be the saboteur, right? And yeah. they and they kept switching and and changing giving more people reason, you know, more evidence or more push towards thinking one of them is the saboteur and then you're thinking oh this other one could be in another episode so that element of that balancing act between this group of people and who is the saboteur or who the bad guy is here in this equation. I thought they did a good job of keeping guessing all the way through to the very last episode and then even in the last moment of the first season. It was this weird reveal that this show has kept me guessing the whole way. I didn't really buy it. I was just like, all right, well, they're telling me that person in this shot is the was the bad guy all along, but like, there's no way that's the case. Like that's gotta be a clone or a cyborg or they just give you so many reasons to just second guess like everything. Yeah. So I felt like it, it certainly achieved that. I like all the ways in which it just went there in the sci-fi model. We talked a lot about that in our previous two podcasts about dark matter and just how they pushed the boundaries, how they played with the, the sci-fi format and archetypes. Yeah. And it definitely, 
they went very far with all of that. So it was, it was interesting to watch what they did with all of that, for sure. For sure. For sure, Steve. And they really, through this entire first season, take a lot of what we talked about that's, you know... Of course, the first three episodes, you want to have a lot of interesting stuff and themes and stuff to get involved in and attached to and, uh, you know, characters, plot lines to root for, etc. And they really magnify so much of what happened in the first three and then go deeper and deeper into certain topics. One of the ones I found really fascinating that gets super deeply explored over these remaining 10 episodes is um, androids and AI and uh, artificial life um, <sighs> as one of the late season shockers is that two is a, a high, I don't know what you want to call it, created life form, uh, essentially yeah. like man-made life form that functions as uh, organic life form, but is actually illegal. Illegal tech. Illegal tech is actually yeah. a super, super high. Um, I don't know what you would even call it, like some form of android. Yeah, they said. Well, I think. Well, great. Thank you for bringing that up because that was definitely one of the more interesting plots or reveals of this entire first season or series. Yeah, and I think it was the conversation with. Was her coming back from space, right? When she gets sucked out right. into outer space and you're kind of at the very end of that episode and you're like, uh, it was like this Jon Snow moment. Like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm going to kill off the main character here. Like, that can't be right. And and I thought the reveal of her surviving with the kind of black eyes that, that possibly the nanites did, you know what I mean? Like, right. so it, it all I thought was crafted really well. And then it was the scene she had with the cyborg where the cyborg was just revealing to her like, I think she said, you're not humanoid, was was like the line that mm. stuck out to me. And you are like a high-level, you know, android, artificial life. Yeah, so where everything, she has real tissue. Right. She ages. She's a super, pumping, a heart pumping blood. <laughs> super says. interesting. And the first thing that made me think of, I was like, oh, that's why one is into her. Because <laughs> <laughs> he loves He's got a, androids. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a thing for androids. <laughs> I know. it's The implications are really funny because they raise that whole uh, question of, you know, the pleasure bot or uh, entertainment, sorry, bot. Yeah. And um, with a great appearance by Ruby Rose. But then one's like, I don't know what I was thinking, right? To two. And then, of course, the whole time, unbeknownst to both of them um, in those moments <laughs> too is also a crazy android model yeah uh, and it, <laughs> yeah pretty and it made me stuff. think in their scene where he's like just so you know this doesn't change anything about how i feel with you and it, <laughs> my reaction was like of course it doesn't you're probably like more into her now than you were before because <laughs> uh, <laughs> which i think is cool like i you know this is supposed to be the 27th century i believe i read um and some of the backstory. And if you think about, you know, movies like her with Joaquin Phoenix, mm -hmm. um, where he falls in love with an AI persona, basically in that movie, like, yeah, like 
it's the 27th century. Like human Android love is free and open. And um, they do so much to develop their Android and how like emotional she is. And then she becomes so self-conscious. She like builds that, you know, backup model to monitor her irregularities. And that whole subplot is amazing. So they dig into, you know, drafting off what you were saying, how they really go deep in these genre elements and stuff they go deep into that one they go deep into a few others where it really is a pretty um dare i say epic um first season for this canadian (laughs) sci-fi channel very sort of under uh heralded at release at least um show and i think it's i'm not sure if it was you know followed by or well received by people more within the genre, but certainly I found it as like an afterthought streamer. Um, and I think it's, it tackles a lot of interesting questions. And I think some of the stuff we, you know, we're talking about in the first three or even questions we raised, right? Like it really speaks to a lot of that and sort of, I feel like the first season pulls together as a complete thought and story. And maybe you want to continue watching and maybe you don't, you know, it like, I forget which show it was, but there was another show, maybe casual, even our first show, we kind of came to that same point where it's like, yeah, I think I'd like to see more, but honestly, it's just such a complete arc. Um, And that arc being largely the like whodunit of who wiped their minds, right? Like who is the saboteur, traitor, whatever you want to call them. And I wonder, like, um, since you've, you know, only seen the first season and not gone on and seen more um, and are just sitting there with that first season and a season reveal cliffhanger to some degree, I wonder now, thinking back, how you feel about that, like, reveal and Six being the saboteur. Like, does it make more sense after sitting with it? you know, and having completed it a little bit, or you're still kind of like, really like reeling a little bit. Like, how do you feel about that reveal? Well, I like what you brought up here. And it, a lot of things of what you said are really what I dug about the experience of watching this first season of dark matter and had a lot to do with the roles, the relationships, the sort of inner life. I liked the message that I felt was sort of underneath the surface of, of this first season amidst all the sci-fi stuff and the who is the bad guy really was this notion that about second chances and about this Mm -hmm. sort of like do does one get a fresh start and it seems like by wiping the memories like just the essence of these people as human beings are what they're left with and they're all actually inherently good so it's the message here that like everyone has a little bit of good inside and sort of symbol of that was for me was three his arc throughout Mm. this whole first season and yeah his past love relationship that he had to like relive and then lose and him reading charlotte's web which was (laughs) a little cheesy but also kind of like balling important moment yeah so for me this this show was like born to stream, right? It's like perfect for Netflix. Oh yeah. So it was definitely hard to not 
watched the first episode of the second season just because I was like laying in bed. I wasn't feeling so well this weekend. I was would have been like totally. I just would have kept going. Yeah. But I, for the purpose of this podcast, I decided like no, I don't. Let me let me go in and record with you without knowing. Yeah. Sort of what happens in that first episode of season two, and I, after you know twenty four hours or whatever since I've watched it. I don't believe it. I, I don't believe it was six. Like I saw him walk away, but it, as I'm replaying everything, it just doesn't equate. Like he was still in a coma state. Whether maybe he injected himself in that moment in the hallway is is kind of the only question. But I just, unless he was under some kind of mind control or something, I don't know. Like, but they also set you know. Um, Maybe I'm the sucker because they set you up with him the whole the whole first season that he's just super cool, calm, always being like, "Hey, we're good people now." Like we don't, you know what I mean? He's got all these scenes with five that. So yeah, he could have been obviously playing with everyone, but he was really. I just feel like the way they they kept playing with who it could be to then throw us him at the end was just to make us press play or tune into that second season cliffhanger. Interesting. Yeah. It's hard to go back um, because I have seen the second season. So it's hard to go back and, you know, remember where I was. Um, and I'll say just like from rewatching this time after a while um, and just watching the first season, I think they display moments of each of with the exception of five potentially but each of the five raza full crew members um and you know even fake jace corso um one has a reason to like be there and kill right um so if you think of moments where they show I'm thinking of four when he kills his old sensei. Oh yeah. On the island or um when two spaces Wexler, right? Um three, I don't even know if you need to. They just like they show a tender side of him, but he's always itchy um to kill. They show that there's still this like dark side of most of them and for six that's shown when he's like trying to kill find and kill the general right in that yeah. episode where he uses um the trans transfer transit and and he kills mad fools on the way to get to the general he's just like he's just killing cold blooded he's just cold blooded yeah. and i think they show enough of how obsessed he is with learning like his backstory and getting revenge for being blamed for this thing that they were like, he was completely set up for and felt so betrayed. And then also they set up the fact that he's cool and calm, but he's also distant. You know, like five sisters at the end, like, no, he doesn't trust anyone. And it's true. He like is very kind of reserved. And I think part of why we talked about like the pairs the default pairs part of why he's paired with five 
I think is because he was blamed for this thing he was like totally blindsided into. And he thought he was like fighting the good fight, I think. At least this is what I believe they're sort of painting the picture of. And so I think while all six of them have sorted pasts, I think that they sort of five and six, and then it comes out sort of one, but now he's on this vindictive weird thing, which we could talk about as well. But I think five and six are the ones that are supposed to be sort of like really good people backed into a corner in a way. Yeah. And so I think with him and through that, they both set up this backstory. And when it comes out of like that situation and stuff, he seems like, kind of in the way that like four is hell bent on returning and claiming his throne. Six seems like hell bent on doing his thing and killing the general. And his so agenda. your theory, even though you know, already know the answer to this question is that it's like he, it's a means to an end, like turning them into the galactic authority. Was that the name of the entity? Yeah will help him to get the general and that's like the most important thing to him in the world. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, reveal or speculate too much, but just, I think what they set up in the first season is that he, he would do whatever it takes. He would do whatever it done. takes yeah. and whatever he thinks is right. And all of them learn a lot, if not, enough of their backstory through the first season to go rogue and to bail or even turn in the other five to some degree. And I think that's what you were talking about and like sort of setting up maybe not all six of them, but um, quite a few of them are especially the whole one in three, you know, pit against each other and then two. Yeah, and I, and I quite, speaking of one and three, I actually really liked them, especially in these uh, earlier episodes of the first season after the ones we've already talked about. They they get into this kind of buddy action sci-fi place where they play off, they play off each other really well and then that arc of that relationship is just obviously changed forever when... One, there's reveals, does a DNA check, right? Finds his backstory, sees yeah. how three is a suspect in his wife's murder and holds it and, and pulls a six about it, right? Like he's he gets very kind of bent on. So it seems like four, like one, four, six have these backstories. They can't, they're not embracing this like clean slate my memory's been wiped like no the others seem to be right you know almost have a more logical conclusion that's just sort of like well i don't remember any of that so why would i be so invested to like devote my life for that right and i think five because she has so many of the memories including some of her own I think she is like, I don't want to go back, right? Like, I just right. know that trying to start over is better for me. So I think that's part of her motivation as well. And, yeah, I think that's a good breakdown of the picture that's painted. And what 
is revealed very quickly in the second season is, of course, you know, just more of Six's backstory, right? They're gonna, a, a cliffhanger like that, you have to assume they're gonna follow up with some more of like, oh, why did he do this, right? Like that has right. to be a question on everyone's mind. So there, of course, is, and there's hints you know, about his past and this whole resistance thing. Um, but they don't spill enough of the beans to where to where I think it's like a total aha moment when it's revealed, right? So I yeah, think in a way it's like, yeah, you're in the right place to some degree after having watched this. But I do think there's as strong a case for him as any of the potentially guilty ones, right? It's just hard to imagine True. any of them now having done this because of their memory wipe and everything we've learned. Yeah, and they did, absolutely. And they set you up in the sense of being like, making Six such a good, virtuous dude that you were like, what? Like, how could he, it can't be him. But then you're right, like you kind of peel back the onion from there and you can sort of build your own case for why he would actually do that to. Right, just even saying that, like, He's like, fuck, these people are bad, though. And, like, that's their true nature, and it's going to come out. And I think also, so not even looking at, you know, any of the future at all or anything, I may know, just that final episode, right? Like, only one of them gets drugged. And who is it? Uh, Four. Yeah, because he's not trying to tangle with him. Right. Anyone else in hand-to-hand combat, even two or three, I mean, he's giant. Six is giant. He could probably take them. He's just bigger. One, two, or three, right? But he couldn't have known who was going to drink the water in that moment. I mean, it's just they assume that the water source has been poisoned, but he could have slipped a little poison in three, uh, fours, Water. Like, yeah, he just made sure four was out of commission. He absolutely could have injected himself. I mean, I think when it's revealed, you have to just just say, like, yes, okay, this is what happened. Like, this is what they're telling us, right? And then it does become more believable because he neutralizes, you know, four's hand-to-hand martial arts combat on the ship he figures out a way to neutralize the android and then later two, because he knows she's an android life form now too, or as well, two as well. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, he he knows he's super close, right, with five. So he's like got her psychologically twisted. And, but just going back to sort of the essence of it, which is like, yeah, he was on the this rebel mission because he believed he was doing good. And then when it was revealed, the general had this like whole other plot that he thought was the way to go, but Six felt was like, you know, treacherous and, you know, lying to him and killed all these innocents, etc. I think that's where he shifted back to like, no, to do good. I have to actually turn in this murderous crew. Okay, so okay, so with that rationale, yeah. When five found the recording, 
of two and four, right? Yeah. The bad version of them. They're yep. talking about killing so-and-so before they get to the next station. So you think probably most likely was they were talking about six. Now, he had already been working on this sabotage, treacherous sort of plan up until that point. Right. Anyway, but it's sort of... Perhaps he was there to take everyone out, take the Raza so he could go get the general. I mean, I don't know, like... Yeah, and without even speculating, you know, that far, just... Right. They touch on many times, like, our instincts remained through the memory wipe, right? Right. Our instincts remained. And I think what the, you know, final episode and sort of this reveal of the overarching mystery, who done it, is that Six's instincts, especially once he learned all this about his backstory, remained. And those were to sabotage the Raza, a place he ended up but felt miscast as like not a killer, not a mercenary, ultimately, right? Wow. And... I think for the sake of just the show, watch the beginning of the first, I mean, the second season, at least the first episode of the second season or first one or two, just to like see what they do and see if it, you go, oh, wow, okay, or not. And I think, um, yeah, they set it up really well. And I definitely rewatching this time could see just the utter ultimately like just confusion as to like who's who is it like who is it gonna, the reveal going to be like it's really totally up in sure. the air i think and you outlined you know the sort of major candidates out of the six of them then there's this element of like but what if it is someone else what if it's the android's android self you know it's like there is a wild card of just like it's hard to really know. I guess one, maybe, you know, the more you learn about one, they want you to believe he could have done it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a weird show where it's like hard to accept the information that they're giving you. Like they tell you five was the one who wiped everyone's memories, right? In that scene between five and six at the end. But did she? I don't know. <laughs> well, he's yes. saying in that moment, like, maybe you didn't even, you know, mean to or know. But we also, like, in the final reveal, know that he's playing everyone in that final episode, right. basically. Right, so right. he might have enlisted her for help, might have duped her into doing it. Right, well, we don't quite know. We don't quite know. This reminds me of a thing that, a friend of mine would talk about when you're sort of watching slash binging a show that it's like you almost have to watch when you get to the end of a season that next episode, the first episode of the next season, just see how they started <laughs> off. Yeah. Like you can't just kind of leave it season to season when you have the ability to just watch season two, episode one. That's why I was so on the line. And if it wasn't for this podcast, I definitely would have at least just watched that first episode just to see how they set the table for the next season. Yeah. I think it would be interesting to see the difference in 
how you talk about a first season if you have or haven't watched the next episode. Of course, sometimes uh, it's not available. It's not always available uh, for watching something very current. But I think it is a very different view often, um, sometimes maybe not that far. Um, maybe it's just the next chapter, but often that season-ending cliffhanger that keeps you wanting the next season also keeps uh, certain things up in the air that are then uh, immediately or often addressed in the beginning of the next season. So um, that's something that maybe we could test out with the show. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, this first season was just riddled with cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. A couple of things I wanted to just highlight, if I could. I thought the guest star on this in this first season on this show were excellent. Like the people that they just had in for that one episode yeah. or two episode arcs, the, who was the head of the bad guy group? Wexler. She, Wexler. I thought that guy was just really, really awesome to watch. Yeah. He's been in a um, bunch of stuff and I love how it's like <laughs> the bizarro kind of them, you know, the other crew is like, yeah. uh, so similar, similar, but different. And, that's always fun when they do those kinds of things. The rival crew, the the arch nemesis yeah, Bizarro like, crew. <laughs> yeah, and there was no way that they weren't gonna try to take over the Raza. Like I was just like, well, okay, now we're at the point where they're gonna try to turn on them. That was definitely predictable. Yeah, he but, was uh, great. You you mentioned the entertainment bot. I really liked her. I really liked that episode that she was in. Yeah, it was it was really cool. A lot of cool stuff was sort of revealed about everybody. It was very action-packed. Um, Will Wheaton, I guess we can't have this podcast without mentioning him, I thought, to tie Two's backstory into such a weird, scary, kind of creepy entity that, that isn't involved with the big corporations, right? This is its own weird yeah. tech company. yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating the uh, the world, you know, or worlds, I should say, this, you know, universe that expands and there's lots of different corporations, independent entities, research facilities, space stations. And then there's this one galactic authority still, right? So... As the layers get deeper, there still is the paradigm we talked about earlier of the single galactic authority to some degree. But it's interesting because they really do. And yeah, a lot of great cameos and a lot of great sort of subplots that get teased but don't then get developed, you know, much further in this first season, right? Um, and that one's kind of like left hanging or ominous, the like, they've all got to go, right? Like, um, moment. But I think it's interesting that there's the galactic authority, yet I feel like they don't paint the picture of complete authority, that these like independent corporations and facilities are like pretty like high powered and well maintained and staffed and guarded themselves. 
And they also have this really just like kind of intense, you know, moments here and there where entire worlds or space stations are blown up in the first season. Yeah. And there was a thing where the galactic authority was approaching and they were talking about like, all right, well, if we can't do X, Y, and Z, then we'll just get them down into the main hull and we'll fight them off ourselves. Like it would, it seemed like they were like, we can take on the galactic authority and get away. Right. Sort of vibe. Right. Yeah. And also just like that, I feel like sort of, and obviously they're not called a corporation. They're the galactic authority, but the way that like there's these corporations and that nomenclature, which we talked about a little bit. Also, this sort of allegorical future world is, you know, potentially a comment on corporate dominated society or worlds where the galactic authority is like the big, unflexible, you know, old model kind of corporation right and they're this like super young life startup <laughs> you know it's like almost yeah. this comment on <laughs> you know our current society and capitalist world of like yeah but they're just the galactic authority they're just like there's a lot of them they can throw lots of money at something but they're not that skilled and they're not to be feared unless you're just like surrounded by too many of them and they can just blow you up right Right, which is why the creepy old bedridden guy was like, anyone who knows about her has to die. Has like, to it's die. just, they have to tie up all the loose ends so that their whole operation isn't put in jeopardy, right? Exactly. It's illegal tech that shouldn't be out in the world. And if the Galactic Authority gets their hands on it, they'll be held to pay for everyone, including them, apparently. And uh, that's also you know, just interesting little subtleties of, you know, the world, the power dynamics, the structure, the um, levels of subtlety and nuance in this universe, the difference between human AI. Um, there's, yeah, just a lot of really interesting, fascinating stuff. And as you said, there's so many cliffhangers and questions uh, raised, a lot of them get spoken to, but a lot of them don't or sort of are left hanging at the end of this first season, are left uh, opening up the possibilities and world more than like tying everything together, right? Though we do get this final reveal of tying together the who done it, right? Mm, um, yeah. Of the first season. So really interesting in that sort of micro macro way to look at it. And I think it's been great to see how you've been just, you know, reticent to accept in a way like the, that sort of whodunit <laughs> yeah. of like, I don't believe exactly. it. Like I don't believe. And there was some of that in, you know, specific episodes and subplots and capers or mini capers. But I think it's great because this kind of a show is, in a way, why we do this podcast, because there's so much to talk about. And I think we have fun sometimes watching a show like Casual or Dairy Girls that's really a like laugh. Even the emotional parts are really like 
very, uh, I feel like, consonant and harmonious to talk about because we're both really having fun on the same ride. And this is interesting to me because um, I'm truly like trying to hold my tongue on certain things and just let you experience this ride as the first time viewer and just let all this interesting stuff that we have to talk about come out. So I think this has been a great show and great sort of format, you know, revision to do this with. Yeah. Well, thank you. And it was, and it was great. And it was a very creative show and there was definitely in the character arcs in the storylines, everyone's backstory, really well thought out, really creative. I didn't have a ton of gripes, even as I was getting into the end of the season. I didn't have a lot I didn't I didn't like about each episode. Sort of earlier on, there was some little things about really just the space stations, and it was a from a design element. I know that this is supposed to be some future, future, future version of us, right? But I just felt like they kind of failed with the costume design in these space stations, got a little lazy where they made it too contemporary now to us, but it made it less believable that it was some future version of us. Like, I was just like, really? People are wearing neckties? Like, I was just like, is that what they're going to be doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, they you know, hundreds of years from now? <laughs> No, I do think it is funny, and we touched on uh, briefly, I believe, in the first uh, pilot episode podcast about choices of, you know, the genre and other shows where there's some element of 20th, often century, not even 21st, really, but 20th century um, dress culture that they, you know, pull into or glom onto. And what I thought was interesting was not only what you're bringing up, um, but the costuming of the guards. And I'm yeah. for the you know podcast listeners. I just did air quotes because not because they aren't guards, but because there's so many different guards and sort of soldiers, and that's a sci-fi trope as well as. Um, there's the Imperial Guards and there's the These Guards and what have you. But in this, you have um, just generic guards of many different like forces and sorts. And there's the different corporate ones. There's the Galactic Authority. There's the guards Although they on did, the research with the Galactic, facility. Right. With the Galactic Authority, they did sort of step it up a notch where they looked like a scarier version of all the guards we had seen, right? They were like all black, souped up. Weird, like with the weird kind of helmets. Made, yeah, they made them. And the it was important they, for them to do that. And yeah. though drafting off your point, I thought they were about to play paintball. I'm not gonna lie. Right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I think yeah. drafting on that, and I don't know if this is an intentional decision or not. How they costumed all of the background extra actors, characters in this whole first season, I thought was like almost intentionally generic, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess. Which I mean, is I a little this, different than what you were saying. You know, it's like... Yeah, I just found the style of the crew, the style 
and the design when they were on the worlds yeah. was so specific yeah. that when it got to the space station, I just feel like they got lazy and they were like, had people in sweaters and they had, it just looked normal. And I, and I, and I feel like it was intentional, but I also feel like they just got lazy where they put all this production and budget into these certain areas of the show. And then when it got to that, they were kind of like, okay, well, we're just going to make this like now to make this like what you're saying, like this kind of generic, more generic sort of areas in space that you're going to. Yeah. But I think they could have, they could have put some kind of thought or production into that and still done right. that. Then it's it like 600 years later and exactly. Yeah. yeah that's all, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, yeah. One thing I thought was funny, um, since we're just, uh, kind of talking about some little things at the end of this discussion is, uh, Along those lines, I don't know if you picked up on this, but uh, Five is obviously, you know, she's got the green hair and she's this like 90s kid basically in the 27th century. And the one, well, one of the ways they really, really hang on to that is, I kid you not, and we could go back and, you know, look, but we won't because we're not professionals or experts or researchers but i kid you not i believe in every single scene she's wearing a flannel tied around her waist (laughs) but she never wears flannels and she never has on like a top that would warrant her putting that flannel on she's like already got an outer layer usually and it's or anyhow she's always got a flannel tied around i believe she's wearing doc Martins or like her boots always look kind of like Doc Martens. It's amazing. Like she's always got that flannel tied around, even when it's just so extraneous. And I love that they commit to uh, on the ship and on the main characters, the choices, you know, from the start of like these archetypes. Um, But yeah, the, the people, especially on the space stations, as you're saying, um, they either fall into the like guard slash uniform category, like because there's several different research facilities. And but even yeah. those I feel like are either 21st century modeled or um very just like in the milieu of like this is what a space outfit, a space uniform looks like. So they don't really go anywhere with that overall. And I think it would have been more fun. There's a few different outfits they have, like the crews in, the crews of the Raza or the other mercenaries, where you're like, this is fun. Um, sort of space punk almost. Like, yeah. You said yeah, Matrixy a little. I felt, like, I felt like they tried to have their cake and ate it too. So they're telling us, like, you know, Star Wars 32. They're going to go see like Star Wars like 36 (laughs) in the theater. In full VR. And he's reading (laughs) Charlotte's Web, right? But then then they're going in the space station and 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 whenever they go to the space station, then it's just people in suits and ties and like J. Crew. And like it just, that part, that sort of failed for me. Like it just, just like you're going to have a 600 year nostalgia cycle. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i guess and it was like certain i feel like certain elements it kind of worked like when they were in the casino i didn't have any problem with the kind of casino guy wearing a more traditional casino sort of outfit with the tie like that's i was there's there's ways in which you can let it pass but i feel like they were like 
we're just going to let this pass for this these whole sequences, and that's going to be okay. But it was a little lazy. There was another thing that I, I would have liked with Five. There was this element that if she was like a programmer, that she could do certain things with computers and stuff, but we rarely saw it. Like, she just was like, oh, yeah, I fixed that, or I programmed the ship to do that. Like, yeah. what we got from her were these kind of, like, long-winded emotional scenes and her breaking, like, hot-wiring doors. I-, I would have liked to have seen more of her tech skills on display in cooler moments. Someone's got to hot-wire the doors, man. Well, those, yeah, those doors were fine and cool, but there just <laughs> seemed to be a lot that she was doing, not only capable of, but actually, like, doing that we weren't sort of seeing. Right. And I was just like wondering why that was. Yeah. Maybe there's some uh, instinctual, like she's a kid, she's a stowaway. Right. Um, keeping her down. But yeah, there's, yeah, there's little, little bits of um, her story. And, um, you know, I feel like one, you get like his researching his own backstory and that whole subplot but you don't really get his backstory then. And then also one little thing that I noticed in this rewatch is, so he's just this other person, Derek Moss, who was a biz- successful, very rich businessman whose wife was murdered and three's a suspect. What part of that backstory makes him a mercenary or good at shooting guns? Yeah. He's instinctually, like, able to just do all this stuff. And so maybe he trained to infiltrate the ship, that he had the resources to do that. I can believe that. But there's some stuff that's like, how did Five even learn all this? There's, like, a little underdeveloped backstory and suspended disbelief um, to some belief. And, you know, I think you have to, with any TV show, suspend disbelief on certain things. And this is sci-fi. But, yeah, there's... Moments where stuff's underdeveloped and also maybe, you know, you or I might have felt this was a little lazy, a little oversight, uh, oversightedness in this this little, you know, part of it. Yeah, and that's us putting the magnifying glass up to it and they, they don't make any bones. They did call themselves a space opera, as we mentioned in our previous episodes. So that we think I don't know if that's officially from the show or not. Oh, from the show, yeah, that was just how it was described. <laughs> um, but it was a good description, especially in this last final moment with the reveal of six. And it was I, I had a very kind of like soap opera kind of moment, just being like, yeah. dun, 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 no, not you. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, maybe we will watch the beginning of season two and then hop back on with last thoughts. Who knows, Steve? Well, the world is our oyster, but right now think we're at a great stopping point of talking about this first season of dark matter really fun entertaining interesting deeper questions raised we could go as deep as we want but for now we're gonna put a pin in it because it's time to pick a new show oh how about that it's already time for a new show and that is exciting for me because I'm about to discover a new show. So, Steve, yeah. do you have a show in mind that you want to throw yeah, out Yeah, well, Eli, you know what? This was a great ride. Thank you for taking us to outer space with dark matter. Wow. So yes. 
coming into this, knowing today I would have to pick a show, I wanted to really switch it up. So instead of taking us to space, I'm mm -hmm. going to take us to the 1980s. Ooh. Eli, have you seen the Goldbergs? No. ABC comedy available on Hulu. It's hilarious ABC comedy set in the 1980s. I just needed some a bit lighter fare for our next watch. So yeah, wanted to throw that on. This is a network sitcom available to stream on Hulu. Excellent. So I invite all our friends out there to go out and watch the pilot of The Goldbergs Woo and come back to Shows with Friends where we're going to talk about it. All right. Well, this has been a great season one wrap up of Dark Matter. And we are on to the next one. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a quick moment and let you know that we are really excited to be a part of a growing podcast network. It's called Connected Podcasts. And there are many other great shows on the network that we think you are going to enjoy. That's connected, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-D, podcasts.com. Thanks for listening.